two hands and I can't find my own ass. This is Tall Can Audio. Hello, you sexy babies. Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. My name's Matt. His name's Rob. What are you saying today, man? We got we have covers already a week in? I knew you'd... Uh, as you know, man, I'm all about the pop-punk cover of just about anything, right? Well, um, it sounded like just generic pop-punk bullshit that may roll through uh, here. Oh, did you even... You didn't pick it up? Did it take a second? Well, it wasn't until... Yeah. It wasn't until the whole lyric of, I'll stare directly into the sun, but right. not into the mirror, whatever that lyric okay. is. Then I was like, oh, this isn't something that Matt's left clinging to the bottom of his shoe from 2002 <laughs> or... Never, man. Never! Anything from 2002 is still being held up high. Yeah, okay, cherished, uh, <laughs> close to my bosom. Exactly. Uh, we bring this one up, uh, and before we get into the beers, before we get into anything, I want to thank, and I got to be careful with this, Unnamed from New Jersey has, uh, has sent us a message after last week's Taylor Swift talk on the podcast. For those of you not familiar who didn't pick that up right away, that is the song Antihero by Taylor Swift. Uh, but yes, already has pop punk covers, already has a metal cover, uh, already has a screamo cover. Uh, it doesn't take long on YouTube for people to uh, take something big and, and put their own spin on it. Uh, this comes from uh, a friend, a, a listener in New Jersey, who has withheld his name, says that uh, he was at the Devil's Game on, I believe, Thursday night, they hosted the Avalanche. And uh, when one of the Avs players took a penalty, and they're now going to do this all the time, uh, they take the, it looks like they're going to do it all the time, that when you take a penalty in New Jersey, if you're a member of the uh, the opponent, they put your face up on the screen and they use the lyric, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me, <laughs> which is uh, obviously comes from that song. Uh, he says in his message, uh, did not want to put his name on it because he's encouraged a couple people at the garage he works for to listen to the podcast. He doesn't want them to know that he's this familiar with uh, with Taylor Swift lyrics. So uh, thank you to Name Withheld in New Jersey for uh, for sending that in and, and shout out to the devils, man, for being topical, if nothing else. Yeah, well, in Unnamed, good luck. <laughs> I've encouraged friends yeah. at the place I work, and now they're like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, How many garages fans. in New Jersey yeah, are well, listening that, to the that, Well, that have somebody saying, you should listen to this podcast. It's fucking awesome. All right. So you're- I was, I was more supportive unnamed. Uh, it's, uh, hey, man, I think you should just thanks do- Thanks for listening. You should just do you. Yeah, no, totally thanks for listening, but just <laughs> don't be ashamed, man. Who cares? If you love it, embrace it, man. That's what I got to say. All right. Look, we don't need to go any further before we get into uh, to the craft beer side of things. What do you got today, man? Mm. Mm. Thanks. I'm right uh, I'm, I'm mid mid sip. I'm drinking the Norga Pale Ale from Block Three Brewing out of St. James, Ontario. Block Three. It's Gvike. So your Norwegian Sprokvik. Yeah. <laughs> nope. No. Nope. That's you and a Michaela thing. Yeah. Uh, this out is Ridge Rock, I think. Yeah. Kvike. Okay. So it's the uh, it's the type of it's the type of hops, right? So more of a Norwegian sort of uh, farmhouse ale, 
but they're brewed at super high temperatures, right? So the hops don't get that really bitter. So it comes in at 5.5. So uh, in the past, I've found myself to be um, fairly fond of a Kvike. Hmm. Kvike. It's called Noriga. All right. I'm doing something a little closer to home. Uh, this is from Evergreen Craft Ales. And I don't think I've had this one before, although I know it's been on the show before as, uh, as I believe one of the last times Bunda was in here, he Bunda reached into the fridge. Bunda uh, the, the preview for 280, I think he had. Yeah. A- um, and uh, I guess maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we won't. Uh, Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul on, on Saturday night. Before we do, anyway, this is from Evergreen Craftdales. This is the same thing. Uh, this is the Stratosphere IPA from uh, Evergreen who uh, I know you and I are both fairly fond of, uh, yep. of the brewery and, and you've actually had uh, had a, a party or two over there, uh, a nice space. I actually read on their uh, their social media that they're going to be shutting down the, the party space a little bit here, um, just keeping things staffed like so many people, right, having a hard time. Uh, they're having a big time problem with the, uh, with the staffing. Right. So, uh, but the beer is still always great. So this is the first time I've tried this one. Uh, this was one of the early breweries also that I tried during the pandemic. I don't think I'd had their stuff before, but they were one of the first ones, uh, right. Uh, it would have been them and, and Ridge Rock, I think early on that I did, uh, deliveries for when the pandemic started. Well, even before that, mm. I brought over the first batch here Okay. World Junior Gold Medal game. Oh, that's right. Would have been puck over glass, but it hit the TSN camera. <laughs> if you recall, mm-hmm. I brought over some uh, some evergreen because I that's I le- true. I left right from uh, the CTC watching Send Skills slipped in there on the way through and grabbed some stuff. So that's right. I had uh, forgotten about that. So this is uh, their IPA. It's about six percent. Um, yeah, Stratosphere. Uh, stratisfaction guaranteed, much yep. like your girl, whose uh, whose picture is on the wall here in the studio multiple times in Raptors jersey, Leaf jersey. Yeah, bit of a Trish Stratus guy here. Yeah, uh, uh, we should mention you. You you mentioned World Juniors there. Ray Ferraro has taken a bit of a step back. I traded a couple texts with him earlier in the week. Uh, he put out a statement that you know uh, we'd already kind of seen him over the last year or two. He was down to only doing World Juniors, World Championships, and Leaf Games on TSN. Everything else was ESPN. And I can actually remember the time he's specifically referencing in his statement where he flew back, uh, flew from Vancouver to Toronto, where he lives is Vancouver, came into Toronto to do a, a Leaf Game. And the next night for ESPN, he had to be in San Jose. And I can actually remember watching that game on ESPN because Sportsnet had picked it up or something. And him, I can remember being like, man, like this is supposed to be the scaled back version of your schedule and wondering how long he'd want to keep that up. Apparently not long, man. He put out a statement that said, drop in the Leaf games, drop in the World Juniors, drop in the World Championships. I'm done with TSN other than my uh, my Ray and Dregs podcast commitments and uh, going to do just ESPN. And he had kind of said that, that was a thing that had kind of taken hold for him during the pandemic. You know, you get used to being home more with the kids, yeah. right? And and having a, a much better work. Life uh, balance. Yeah. And, and so I, I sent him a text and just because it, it sort of felt like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to say it closes the door, but if the guy's looking to do less things 
that he gets paid for, he's probably going to also be less interested in doing things that he doesn't get paid for, like yeah. our podcast. And so, um, you know, he would always come on once or twice a year. He was really generous to the show. So just sent him a text and said, you know, really happy you've been able to kind of find this better balance for you and your family. And, and he was very gracious and the, you know, replied a couple times, we traded some texts, but I think it's, it's, it's worth mentioning here as he takes a step back. He, he did say, stay in touch. He's a, he's a very polite guy, but when you're clearly trying to lighten your load, he's also saying, you know, why don't you, the rest of you people can also call me a little less often, right? I think if you're any kind of, whatever, you should read that into into these things, right? And so we traded some text, but I, I thought it was worthwhile mentioning um, the times he has made time for our show and, you know, he's clearly the best in the business at what he does and it's a bummer that we're going to be hearing less and less of him here in Canada. Well, and I miss him. Of course, man. I miss him on uh, on TSM Broad. And there's some good stuff. Mike Johnson does good work. He's very good, yeah. Um, but Ray just had a real way of, of, of seeing and, and relaying what he saw yes. as, as a former pro, right? And, and you kind of got this less varnished, but still very professional yeah. way of, of, of giving it to us where you didn't feel like Ray He was would, telling you that guy blew it, right? Yeah. If, if that's what happened. You got to do better. Right. Right. And the, and the things that, that you sometimes feel as fans and you don't maybe – have the right take on it because, you know, you, you're, you don't have the background, but when you have somebody who does have the background and, and is saying it, yeah, it's validating of for course. a lot of people. Yeah. So, uh, thank you to Ray Ferraro. I can't imagine he's listening right now, but on the off chance that he is, um, I'm not sure when or if we'll, uh, we'll get Ray on here again, but, uh, you always made time for us and that was pretty cool. And, and one of those guys early in the pandemic who, who said, yeah, and, and kind of gave us the rub a little bit, right? So Well, and he's one of the guys who, when when we talk about, you know, oh, we do this podcast thing. Yep. And people are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, say, right. that's cute. Yeah, and you, yeah and, you, and you run through some things and they go, and Ray Ferraro, and they're like, Ray Ferraro? Ray, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, right there with, you know, with Bobby Bob Mack McKenzie, and, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Those, uh, Dan Showman, that's yep. the other one, right? That, yep. that people go, huh. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. It's it's Legit. not it's not just two shitheads drinking beer. And, I mean, it or, is that, or but it's not mu- just or, that. or multiple other <laughs> shitheads too. I just say the two because it's the two of us sitting here right now. Right. But a shout out to Michaela and Maddie and whoever sure, else. Yeah. Who else has rolled through here? But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 good. It is good, and so uh, shout out to Ray. Congrats on finding a little bit uh, a better work life balance, and uh, we appreciate what you've brought to this show over the uh, the years and. And who knows, we may, we may still hear a little more sure. from, uh, from Ray as we go. Look, we got a couple of places we could go to start here. I, I was curious though, um, as we sit here now, uh, on Sunday afternoon, the Denver Broncos have defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars at Wembley Stadium in England. Did you happen to catch any of the talk about what Russell Wilson was up to on the flight over? I heard nothing of it. Really? Okay. It, it was actually, I'm on the, I'm on the ride over here. And they're like, oh, and the NFL's back in London and blah. And I'm like, and the Broncos, you suck. So uh, yes, they do. Okay, um, but no, I have I have no background. As you know, we've talked about this, I think, before on the show. I sort of have a soft spot for the Broncos, but it kind of stems from I was always a Fairweather fan who basically just followed Peyton Manning, and then he retired. I'm like, well, now I don't really have a team. I guess I'll 
stick with the Broncos and they've been bad. And once Russell Wilson came in, you're like, well, maybe that'll help turn things around. It hasn't. They've been bad. Uh, but they fly to to England every year. They try and do a game or two over uh, over in London. Mm-hmm. It's often the Jaguars because no one wants to watch them at home. And they uh, also have a UK owner. I believe Tony Khan is part of that ownership AEW, and he owns one of the is oh, yes. Fulham. Or, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. That's what it is. Yeah, so there's a tie in there. But yeah, the Jaguars are just not a real. Brutal. Yeah, so over they go. And apparently on the flight, Russell Wilson, who sat out the last game, uh, the Broncos quarterback. Oh, uh, I want you to think about what you did here. Hmm? Oh. Russell Wilson, you sit over there. I want you to think about what, <laughs> what you've done here. So apparently he sat out the last game with a hamstring injury. Yeah. So he, uh, on the, the flight over to England, he decides, I need to keep active, need to keep busy. So he's walking up and down the aisles, and that's fine. People are sort of, then he starts doing the high knees and the calisthenics on the <laughs> flight over. And look, you and I have been around team sports a lot. We followed team sports a lot. You fucking keener. Why don't you just sit down? Right? Like, is there not a little bit? Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to watch a movie on my iPad. I got my Bose headphones on, whatever. <laughs> and here's my fucking quarterback doing high knees up the aisle in between. I don't know, man. Like, I, there's a certain amount of, I, I think there would be some people going, good for you, man, your professionalism. And, you know, you don't, you don't allow those clots to form on Can't the Can't you just wear your like, pressure socks like everybody right? else? What a fucking keener, man. Yeah, or you could be who was the who was the NHL guy who was watching porn all the time on his <laughs> on his laptop on the on the team charters. You could be doing that. I almost got more time for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hey man, could, could you just your own time? Could you do that somewhere else? I don't remember hearing that. Was that uh, okay. okay? Yeah, no, I can't remember who it was, but anyways, seems it was, like a, a Russian though. It was he was Eastern European <laughs> yeah. for sure. He was all right. Um, but here's my fucking quarterback doing high knees up the aisle of our flight. Like I am also, I should tell the the listener, I'm a nervous flyer. So if you're walking up and down the aisles, just to you know, lots of people do that on long international flights, right? Not the entire time. But you get up, you take a stroll around, get the blood flowing again. Fine. I got some asshole coming up the aisle doing high knees. Yeah, seems a little over the top, man. Well, you have a lot of nervous energy on flight as somebody who sat next to you and. Uh, <laughs> Take off and, and landing, especially takeoffs. Take you don't off. get to say that to me because the last time you and I, I think, sat beside each other on a flight, you had the nervous energy wondering if you were going to make it I to was the bathroom. Pee, I was going to piss my pants. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. We're coming out of Halifax. We've watched the Eastern semifinal of the CFL, I think. Uh, it wasn't quite yet Grey Cup season. Uh, but then we have to go wait in line. We've, of course, put back a pile of beers and you disappeared from the line like three times. Three times. Yep. And then we get on and we're delayed a bit. And, uh, and I did catch up to you by the time we reached cruising altitude. I had to piss pretty bad too, but the whole time you're, you're shifting back and forth. Sweating. You're like keeping an eye on make it. And eventually I had to ask, uh, the, the stewardess, can I just fucking go? And, hey, you and know she what? basically pointed one of us in each direction. Right? Like, yeah. You're going to the front. You're going to the back. Well, it was one of those ones where the next day you wake up and your ass cheeks are both sore and you're like, oh, I've been just gritting my teeth and uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, no. you were bringing the nervous energy on that one. It's true. But your, your hand does all these involuntary yes. movements and well, I've told the story on a little flight from Miami to Jacksonville back in the day snapped the armrest off the seat I was sitting on because I was clenching it so tight. Yeah. Easy, big fella. Easy. The stewardess who's 
done the sit down like they face back at you right when they're yeah. strapped and she's like oh, i've never seen that before i'm like oh that's reassuring this piece of shit you're player. a freak man <laughs> you need to do what um instead of um you know the high knees and the lunges the down callous, the aisle, yeah is uh coming back or going to australia in 99 it's a long ass haul yeah no shit and there was um, a contingent of professional surfers on the on the on the doing the circuit, right? So you're mm. making your way from Hawaii down to Australia, and they were just getting hammered. <laughs> they were back there in between because it's a it's a huge plane, right? It was one of those three, four, three guys, sure, yeah. and they're back behind the bulkhead where the bathrooms are, and they're just pounding the duty free and. <laughs> And so, yes, yeah, surfers, hang ten, buddy. Good for you guys. Yeah, exactly. So I, that's my recollection. Now that it was I'm all just trying to hang six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I pounded six beers. Yeah. Took a bunch of sleeping pills, leaving, uh, <laughs> leaving, leaving Honolulu, and yeah, I slept for about eight hours. Nice. Woke up covered in piss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hoping it was Hoping, mine. Yeah, that's a exactly. slum tune, I think, isn't it? Right. <laughs> the body was covered in goat piss. Pretty, pretty, All right, that's close enough. Pretty sure that's the lyric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, we got a couple places we could start. Why don't we start with the brand new Iron Man of the NHL, Mister Phil Kessel, who uh, who tied the record against the Toronto Maple Leafs, passed the record against the Arizona Coyotes, scored a goal in that game too. I think if scored a goal against the Leafs, that they found a reason to to disallow. <laughs> like, what a fucking buzzkill. <laughs> The Leafs have been just in general. Uh, he's an interesting guy to now be what most people would consider, you know, this record that is supposed to represent the picture of health, right? The the guy who keeps himself. And, and you feel a little bad for Keith Yandel, who had the record for like three months. <laughs> like it takes you nine, yeah. 10, 11 years to get there. And then some guy passes you basically the moment you retire. But I've talked on the show, I know you agreed at different points, that Keith Yandel's streak, they tried to end multiple times, right? Um, As the season started in Florida two years ago, they... Wanted to healthy scratch him. And the team, the other players went and said, no, we don't want you to do that, right? He's one of us, we respect this record. And I understand why that record is important uh, to players. Um, We saw it with Cogliano... When he was suspended, Suspension. a bunch of players yeah. got upset that that happened to him. Um, but when the Panthers made the playoffs for the first time there two years ago, the first yeah. time in like a decade, they scratched him then. Scratch! And I know it wasn't the regular season, so technically his record stays alive. But if two or three times your organization and your team has said, we want you to sit down, I, I have less time for it, right? Like that record means less to me. I'm also a pro-fill guy, so... Now, whether it all counts or not, Phil has passed it anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But it's funny, man, because people, for the longest time, talk about, you know, Phil and, and the hot dog thing and the, you know, you know being kind of roly-poly, right? Not being a super uh, super fit guy. He's now the, uh, the Iron Man. He's played more consecutive regular season games than anyone uh, in the NHL. And I guess just before I hand it to you, I was actually at the game that started the, uh, the streak. Um, my dad for a while used to get, uh, you know, he, he would buy from a friend of his a certain amount of their season tickets and just by chance, um, 
we had bought uh, Leafs versus Lightning. We. Uh, he had bought Leafs versus <laughs> Lightning and given them to me. And um, we at the time knew that they had traded for Kessel, but he was hurt. He had a shoulder injury and he wasn't going to start the season on time. And uh, it just so happened that he did play in that game where uh, where we were at. And I think it was in the first period, Matthias Oland buries him with a hit. And there is no indication in that moment, I can remember hearing Brian Burke talk about it later on, that this guy's ever going to be the Iron Man because he just doesn't protect himself either, right? He's kind of reckless in the way he, he plays. Someone's going to fucking take this guy's head off. And Olin does in literally game one, he's coming off the shoulder injury. You're like, oh my God, this guy's going to be out again already. He hasn't missed a game since, man. That was 2009 or 2010, 2009. And he hasn't missed a game since. Yeah, and and it, it's, it's a tremendous record, right? Like it's no flu, no no other shoulder or knee or back or the one you could say is the the thing with his kid. Yep, I was just gonna say. Okay. To me, it's it's you can't take away from the record, right? Right. But when I get to just put my skate on the ice, come in one door and out the other door. So was that last year? That was last year. So for people who don't remember. His partner was about to have a kid. He didn't want to break the streak and the team didn't want to. And the team had said to him, show up, take one shift, basically, get off the ice. We'll fly you back down to Arizona and you can be there for the birth of your child. And then he was back. I think the very next game was actually in Toronto. Uh, he made it back for that one. I was with you there. We, we talked about it at the time. It's cheap, right? You didn't play that game. You- and you, you've just made, you've, you've worked around it. Yeah. Now, again, you haven't. You haven't been injured and you haven't been sick, right? Like to me, or, or at least sick enough to stay out. Yeah. So you can't take away from that. But yeah, to me, there's some, some, um, modern loopholes that, that have sort of allowed you to do that. There's no, you know, the days of flying on, uh, you know, non-charters and, <laughs> and, or taking the train or whatever it is, right? You're just, man, you're here or you're not. The stories about, I, I can remember one series in particular, and this is back in like the 50s, the uh, the Habs and the Red Wings were supposed to take the same train from Montreal to Detroit right. to continue their playoff series. And the teams would race to the train station because you wanted to be in the car closest to the food car because if you were the second team to arrive, you wouldn't walk through, through the, the other, other team. team's yeah. car to get to the food car. So you... Right. You, you know, the first Hab or first Red Wing, whoever would show up first and would call that car closest to the food car, it was a big deal. So Iron Man means a completely different thing back in the days of Doug Harvey when he's setting that record, right? Yep. And and so I, I, I'm i a big Phil guy. Everybody knows that. Doug but Doug. it is different. And you, you kind of, I'm very aware, I notice quite a bit, the changed opinion of Phil once, you know, in Toronto asshole doesn't talk to the media. He's not fit. He's not, once he leaves, ah, he's just quirky and, and he's a good, he's a team guy. He's entertaining in the room. And it's just funny how the narrative can change a little bit based on who you play for. Yeah, well, right? man, you get like, you get to Pittsburgh, still a big hockey market. Yep. Not the same as Toronto, right. In terms of the number of media and the personality and all that stuff. You make your way to Arizona. Yeah. You, my friend, are hanging out with one beat reporter yes. or whatever it is, and then whoever else the the visiting team is bringing in. But um, yeah, somebody there's still a lot of people out there willing to take their shots, right? Somebody said you can't pull fat, right? Like, 
<laughs> so that was the thing that that I heard this week. So everybody's still willing to sort of take the hot dog know, shots. I, and I, I think – and the funny thing is apparently I just found this out last week. He doesn't like hot dogs. Like he – everybody knew the, the Steve Simmons Toronto Sun story was garbage. But he doesn't want them at all. Like he doesn't like – Dogs, I so. had three juicy jumbos yesterday. I found it to be plus delicious. a hot dog. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. just in my spare time. Yeah, so, um, one had no bun though, just for the record. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, so shout out to Phil. I, I think it's. I, I just like this story because you expect it to be a, a Patrick Marlowe type or a whatever. Like, where you hear about them hitting the ice bath in every intermission, right? Or. Um, you know, these crazy stories about all the, was it Chris Kreider that they had the video of at one point who could do like a vertical leap out of the pool onto the pool deck? I remember we talked about a couple of years ago. BJ Penn. I remember that him for sure. That is nuts, right? No hands, just a leap yep. out of the pool onto, On, the, onto deck. the deck. Insane. Yep. I think it was Chris Kreider that they, uh, at one point NHL Network had a video of him doing that and, and none of that stuff is Phil. Uh, I can remember one of his years in Toronto, one of his first years in Toronto, he comes back and the management asks him like, you know, when was the last time you skated? He's like, I don't know. When was our last game? <laughs> like I, I golfed all summer. I yeah. t- maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's why you survive. I, I don't know. But there is something that tickles me just right that, uh, well, that, and, that, that and there were some guys like when, uh, my uncle was playing in Washington, mm-hmm. there was a young Mike Gartner. Gartner? Yeah, it didn't sound right. No, um, yeah, where he would show up and they, and he'd be like, "Yeah, no, I haven't skated since the end of last season," and he'd show up and they throw throw the <laughs> throw the blades on. He's get up there, <laughs> and he's just whipping around. You're like, "All right, well, whatever. What am I doing?" Right, right. So it's just some guys, and and I think Phil has lost a bit, right, in terms of his. But yeah, back in the day, right, I, I think about that, especially the cup runs in Pittsburgh, you the HBK line. He'd just grab the puck and he'd be coming, screaming down the wing and, you know, cut to the net. Like, I think he's lost a bit of that. Yes. But, but still just a super talent. He's steadily dropped even now in the Vegas lineup, right? They started him with Eichel to see if that was going to work. It hasn't. So he's down to the third line. Maybe that'll work a bit, right? In Pittsburgh, it did that where he drives his own. Now he's not, that was 2016, I believe. 16, he's, 17, yeah. Yeah. He's not the same guy. So maybe it, it, it won't, um, but he sets the record at nine eight, uh, ties the record at nine eighty nine, sets the record at nine ninety. Is there any obligation for the organization to get him to a thousand? Like if they decide, look, you're just not that good at nine ninety seven. We talked about this with Keith Yandel, right? There was a pressure to keep him in the lineup, even if he didn't believe it or deserve it. Uh, do they have to keep him in till? 1,000 or do you just, no. Nah, well, like, if I'm Phil, I'm saying, hey, let's just, let's just, can, can we make it to 1,000? If you're going to scratch me, now, I, I don't think he's at that spot. Well, right? he hasn't been very good. But he's also making a million. And this is what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, no, it's his salary, right? He's not making sh- And And this is what I was going to say was you, you are in a spot where 1,000 is, what did you say the number was, 987? 989. 989, yeah, I'm record. 11 games out yeah. and, and they're rolling. Oh, yeah, they look good. Right. And so, 
It's uh, especially with a couple like Logan Thompson and you, whoever else He's is got playing. like a nine thirty. <laughs> whoever else is playing out there because that's the thing you look at them and went, oof, I don't know, man, that seems. But then, yeah, you look at them; they're just they're just cruising out there, and they look they look. Cassidy does that, right? He's got that system; he knows how to, and they have talent. Like apparently, it, so does Montgomery, though. Okay. Yeah. No. True enough. Whatever's whatever's going on, and I'm totally flabbergasted Boston's by eight and one. Eight and one. Yeah. Eight and one as of as of recording. And just got Marchand back. Yeah, so. douchebag shows up and gets three points in his first his first game back. Like, and he's he's hate that guy. He's four or five weeks ahead of schedule. I wondered about that. Like, we see it a lot where guys beat the schedule. I wonder how much the PR department plays it. We're always going to give the worst case scenario number, yeah, so yeah. our guys always beat the the expectations, it's right? The Al- and that's it's fine, the Alfie right? thing. What do you mean? Yeah, that was him. Always, he always came back. He was always he was always back. He early. was always a month early. Of- okay, so. Because he's fucking Wolverine or because they gave an unrealistic Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's Probably well, a, bit I, a bit of both. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You have the, you have the bodies who are, and again, I think the changes from your late seventies <laughs> surgeries to these days, right. In terms of, of what they can do. Yeah. Like what used to be, you know, like, oh, that's. A season. <laughs> that's 10, that's 10 to 12 weeks. And you're like, mm, 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 no, you know, in, in terms of the way things are done now. But yeah, it's still it's still super freakish what he does, and and I had fully discounted Boston with the goaltending, with a new coach. I think Montgomery is good. I think if you look at him in, in Dallas. He he had he was yep. until he had his own personal issues. Yep. But I looked at you know no no McAvoy, no Marshand, uh, Grizzlick, yeah, and then Carlo went out, and you're like Omark oh, and Swayman, ah, new coach, new system. This can't be good. Well, their only loss is it's that Ottawa. one to Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. And so like they were telling us like first or second week of December before you'd see Brad Marchand. Here it is not even Halloween. He's back. And their next game after his return is a, is a back to back. So that, yeah, he's not going to play that. Right. It's just, I think it was a, it wasn't just a hip or I think it was double, wasn't it? Yeah. I, well, yeah. So kind of important, right? That's kind of your motor is, is the hips. And here he is back by, uh, by Halloween. And looking good. So, and even if you expect a little bit of a fall off, all these points count. You're eight and one, even if it is a little rough for the next month until you get, I think McAvoy's not back till, well, if we're going to trust their word, which yeah, we shouldn't Christmas. Now. Yeah. So next week, probably. Yeah. No, so we'll see you around Remembrance Day. Maybe it's yeah. around there. Um, but all those points count, right? And this, this fall off that you rightly point out, I predict every year, this is the, the end of the Bruins. Yeah. And Senators fans were with me this year, needing 100% the Bruins to probably be that team that was going to fall out. Maybe it's Toronto. It may be Toronto, <laughs> it, 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 but it doesn't look like it's going to be Boston. No, man. I heard somebody on, I don't know, one of the, one of the broadcasts I was watching saying they may win the division. Well, right now, like, would you bet against them? Well, they're already, they're already, you know, you're coming in on 10 games. That That is, well, not the 20 game, you know, yeah. official sort of, hey, hey, we sorted shit out. 10 <laughs> games in is no, is no small sample. Right. No, you're right about that. And so, uh, yeah, they look interesting. Let's circle back to one of uh, Kessel's other former franchises, the Arizona Coyotes debut on Friday night. I don't know if you watched any of it. I, I wanted to see I the first few minutes at least. Yeah. Of the, uh, 
of the Arizona Coyotes debuting at Mullet Arena on campus for Arizona State University. We've talked about this before. It's a 5,000-seat arena uh, that uh, is obviously built for university hockey. The Coyotes will play there. Um, they play four games. So they started with six games, I believe, on the road. They're now there for four games, and then they're leaving again for another 16, I believe, Eesh! on the road before they're done turning this into an NHL caliber arena, which doesn't mean they're adding 15,000 seats. It means they may add a better locker room for the visiting teams. Um, no picnic tables or tarps. Holy fuck. This is one of the things I want to get into, man, because... We talked about it on this show, you and I, and I know I was very forceful on this. They would try and turn this into, what a cool atmosphere. What a fun story, right? To get to play in this small arena. Instead of it being the inevitable result of decades of failure and mismanagement that has led you to this point, And you were evicted. You didn't choose to come play in this super fun college atmosphere. You were evicted from your previous home for not paying your vendors and not paying your rent. And it happened so much faster than I thought it would in terms of the spin that's been put on this. And right up until they dropped the puck on night one, there were still hundreds of tickets available. This was supposed to be the thing, right? It would become this in-demand. Must 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 buy ticket. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently not, man. It and I don't know. It's only been one game. I, I watched the first period of Winnipeg versus Arizona on Friday, hoping to see, you know, the drums and the college vibe and the singing songs. None of it was there. Now, maybe it'll develop. They're going to be there for at least three years. <laughs> but no, they won't. It stunk. Yeah. yeah uh, well, they might be in Houston next yeah. year. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But. And the thing is, it's it's one thing if you look back in the the Wild West of expansion, right? When you have Tampa playing in the... The Thunderdome. Man, in this whatever stadium, and you're like, are you kidding me? And you got Ottawa playing in a 10,000-seat... So Down Grows... Grows. Down Goes Brown wrote an article on why Coyotes fans should feel okay because the NHL has had these other... Almost to the letter, all of them were, hey, we gave you a team, you got two years to... Get your shit together. Yes. Yeah. This is a team that's been there since 1997. Yeah. And, and it's been forced into. And that's where I was going yeah. without even reading the down goes Brown. Yeah. Is, yeah, you had those things here and you go, yeah, you got to move into something else. You got to get something. We'll let you play for a year or two while you build your stadium. Yeah. Good, man. We're ready to go. And you're yeah. like, I had no idea they were going to give us a team. It's the cow pal. Yeah, I was just going to say the Palais de Boeuf <laughs> in San Jose, man. Yes. You know, it's just, you're like, get a new arena, get going. But this is not a 25-year-old <laughs> Who's going backwards? It's like, it's like the guy who goes out and gets married and goes to school, whatever you know, and get, has a full time job, and then then you know at forty two, moves back with his parents. Failure to launch, I believe. Is the name. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, I get it. Go, you know, you don't have your shit together, but you're working on it, right? And you get it done. You don't go twenty five years yep. in an NHL facility. And then go backwards. No, the Sens and the uh, the Flames, when they came from Atlanta, like, yeah, we're giving you the the team and we understand that for a year or two or three or whatever, it's going to take you some time to get your arena built because you weren't going to build one until you had the guarantee of a franchise, right? right? Oh, look, they gave us a team. Right. Get building. 
So we saw it in Tampa. We saw it in San Jose. And then Tampa had, uh, before they moved into actually where they, the Rays play right now, which yeah. they call the Thunderdome. Before that, they were on like some fairgrounds. Yeah. And um, I can remember Jamie McLennan talking on the radio not too long ago, about, uh, not too long ago on TSN 1050 about being in there for a road game. And like you could see the circus they were clearing out before your game. And so like you could look out the curtain and there was like elephants walking by what <laughs> was your road game. And he says in, uh, in one of them, like some guy during second intermission sticks his head into your locker room. Cause he's just looking for the pisser <laughs> and like the coach is screaming at them and here's some random fans. Like, is there a bathroom in here? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That was me. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> That's one thing, right? We've just given you the franchise. We understand it's going to take some time. The Coyotes have been there since 97, and they have been through multiple arenas. They were evicted from the last one. You don't have to pretend that this is like some inevitable. That uh, Craig Morgan is the guy who is the, the main beat reporter for the Coyotes. And I listened to his podcast where he was defending uh, the visiting locker room, which is basically this other rink with curtains around it uh, and no ice that they were going to get dressed in and why that was okay. And and he kept saying, oh, those people north of the border are going to look down their nose at us like we don't have it. Yeah. We like. Of course we are. He was painting it though like that was unreasonable somehow. Like he was saying like, yeah, this is just something you have to work through and deal with. Like it was somehow inevitable. If you had managed your fucking franchise for the last, what, 25 years? It's got to be 25 years basically now. Yeah, yeah. 97. This is awful, man. And, well, and, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, all right. we used to go down to, um, I'd take, you know, when I was, my kids were playing minor hockey and, and we'd go down to tournaments in, in upper New York State, Syracuse, Watertown. Were they tr- changed behind shower curtains? This is what I'm going to say. We <laughs> ended up in a tournament that had an arena in like a Quonset hut <laughs> and the change rooms were on picnic tables separated by bathroom shower oh curtains. God. And you're like, that's fucking unacceptable for my 10 year old. Forget about my $82 million payroll NHL team. Well, so this was the Jets who went on Friday. The Rangers are in this homestand. Ooh, the Rangers. Well, look, I'm with you. And if I'm being honest, if I'm being fair, I actually stood here and said how much I loved the fact that the New York Yankees were going to have to get dressed at, remember when the Jays were in Buffalo? At the Sausage Stadium. Yes, exactly. Salem Field or whatever. Salem. And it was just a tent that you were forcing the the New York Yankees. $200 million. Right. And so at the time, like you could could call me a hypocrite, but the Jays were forced out, right? They couldn't play at home. This is what, this is for three years, somebody's plan. And the Rangers are coming down with their, you know, expectations of of what pro hockey should look like. And they're going to shine a spotlight on this fucking thing. And we should be fair, after these four games, they're leaving for 16 games on the road again, and they will finish what their temporary, they're calling it the annex, I believe, this, uh, this where the opposition is going to get dressed or whatever. But this is a joke, and it, it the whole time, you could see it coming. They were going to paint this as this fun atmosphere on a university campus. That was not there. At least on night one, there was no, you know, 
drums leading the chant. But I went to a, a Sens game, I don't know, three or four years ago, and there was a whole section that felt like it was leading. There was a guy with a drum, and they were leading these different chants, and one of them was, so maybe it was a little longer ago than I thought, fuck Fanuf because he was still a... A leaf. a leaf. Or maybe a senator. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> but at least there was some vibe, right? There was some energy. But that, none of that exists. Like we've all the seen. red scarf. Red, red scarf. We've all seen what university sports vibes are. And this has so far not shown up like that. Yeah. And and again, hearkening back to my kids in minor hockey, yeah. it used to be you get to competitive tryouts. And there'd be so many kids, right? That you wouldn't have the change room space or, right. And you'd have them out in trailers and they'd have to come through on like- <laughs> a portable song. Yeah, on, on mats outside, yep. right? And you're like- That's what this looks like. Well, my kids were 10, yeah. 12, yeah. right? And you're like, that's kind of the bush shit you're doing. It's terrible. And, and you don't make three years. They don't make three years there. You don't think they're going to make it, eh? No, I don't think they do, right? Especially if you can- well, we're supposed to know in the next month that Tempe- city council vote on whether or not to build a big 20,000 seat arena. A 20? Well, whatever. 16, okay, 18. Okay. So, all right. Well, sorry. I, I thought that was the actual number. No. I'm like, if you're going to build a, a stadium in the desert, make that at 16.5. This... You see what happened in the desert on Saturday night back at, uh, I don't know what, it, uh, they're still calling it Hilo Arena or whatever. Anderson Silva, Jake Paul in a boxing match. They're calling it the biggest... Uh, biggest combat sports event ever in this building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I did not see, but I, but I, when you, as soon as you said earlier, I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul, YouTube sensation in a, uh, a boxing match. We've talked a little on the podcast before about how, how that's all developed and how this guy has developed legitimately a gigantic following on YouTube. I still to this day, and this is entirely on me now because he has become a sports story. I don't know how he became famous on YouTube. Like, I don't know what his YouTube channel was built on before he became a, a boxing guy. Someone running a show like this probably should have taken a second to go find out who he is. Do you think he was dating Paris Hilton? Well, she's got to be our age more than his, right? No, but I know what I'm just saying. It's one of those things where it quit making just stupid famous people for the famous. Sake. Yes, exactly. And that's what this has been. We've talked about it over and over, and I've always said I won't spend a dime on these fights. And luckily, I didn't have to. I ducked into the, the group chat there with Creech and Bunda, and one of them threw down the... Yep. And I kind of went, ah, I don't care. I'm just going to go to bed. And I, I clicked on it, though, just to see if it was easy and working, and it was, and... I ended up watching the whole thing. <laughs> oh, damn, it's working. I got to watch. I'm in now. In the first round of the fight, Jake Paul lands seven of 45 punches. Anderson Silva lands five of seven punches. <laughs> you're, oh. just like, you're just like, okay, he's just going to fucking dummy this guy, right? Like he's kind of feeling him out. He's kind of trying to, and boxing is a different animal. I don't pretend sure it is, yes. to understand all of it. But in MMA... There's a certain amount of, you know, percentage of shots landed instead of just looking busy, right? And and we see it in both sports. So in the first round, Jake Paul lands, like I said, 7 of 45. And you're like, you fucking idiot. You're going to punch yourself out and you're not hitting anything. And Anderson Silva's kind of feeling him out uh, and, and, you know, just takes his shots when they present themselves and he lands all of them, basically. Well, as it goes on, 
He's, uh, to his credit, Jake Paul starts landing some shots as it goes on, and the and there's a bit more of a balanced attack between the two of them. By the end of it, the judges give the fucking thing to Jake Paul. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm talking to Creech, and I'm going, I didn't pay a dime for this, and I feel ripped off. And to his credit, Creech goes, I feel entertained. Because what the fuck do I care? I didn't pay a, a dime. This is nothing. And Jake Paul, after the fight, is sitting there with a microphone going, hey, you know what? If Nate Diaz wants a piece of me, let's go. If Canelo wants a piece of me, let's go. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those are two very different statements, right? If Nate Diaz, another, not as old as as Anderson Silva, who's 47, but older guy who is not traditionally a boxer. Right. If you want to fight that guy... That's one thing, and that'll make some money. This fucking guy's not fighting Canelo Alvarez, who's 32 years old, one of the best boxers in the world right now. You throw that name in to make yourself look like, yeah, I'm on the level, right? I'm fighting these guys. Wow. No shot, man. Canelo will finish that fucking guy. Okay, you know what? At, to varying degrees of spotlight, and I'm saying I've never been in a spotlight like like Jake Paul was on, right. the, on Saturday night. But you've won something, you've done whatever, and you feel like, yeah, all right, like the Nate Diaz thing, you're like, maybe. And then you're like, fuck it. Bring me Canelo. Canelo, I'll do that. whatever, right? You sort of yeah, get. you're feeling it. You're <laughs> feeling it, and you're just like, what the hell? Yeah. I, I'm feeling like I can take anybody. So, yeah. This, and, and Anderson Silva, it, it, back in the day, yeah. was. What, was, 2005? <laughs> okay, but was deadly. Yes. One of the best ever. And they hit. That note hard over and over. One of the best, if not the best, mixed martial artists of all time just lost to Jake Paul. A little context, if you please, right? He didn't beat him in his prime. He didn't beat him. He's 47 goddamn years old, and I still don't think he beat him. Okay. (laughs) Well, that matters, right? For sure it does. Yes, it does. I, I, I don't know, because this is the first time, legitimately, this is the first time I've ever watched one of these. Um... I, as I've said, I think they're stupid. I was never going to give them any money. Someone gives me a link. All right, here I am. And I'm sitting there now like everybody else. But I, I don't – I never necessarily suggested or thought that they were fixed. This was fucking fixed. The, on a technical sense, a 47-year-old Anderson Silva dummied this guy. Just landing punches here. And it's not to say Jake Paul never landed a shot. He absolutely got some body punches in there. He absolutely landed a couple combinations. You go eight rounds. It's not like Jake Paul doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a joke in no. the fact that he's... No, he's, he's not. He's got some skills. He does. And so... He, he he stuck around, and I thought he was full value for going eight rounds with Anderson Silva. And I, I guess I just, one of two things has happened, and, and maybe it's on me. I, I don't know boxing well enough, and I'm absolutely willing to admit that that's a possibility. It looked to me, I'm looking at this as an MMA fight that never went to the ground, right? That's not what boxing is. Yeah. And so to me... Silva still looked like the better man. He, he, he wasn't as busy. Jake Paul looked busier, right? I don't know what that's worth in boxing compared to what it's worth in MMA. Um, but in terms of significant strikes, in terms of looking like he had control, uh, it was always Anderson Silva through the entire thing for see, me at 47 years. See, it doesn't matter what the sport is. You have the, um, 
the activity versus achievement yeah. kind of deal, right? If you're busy for the sake of being busy, but you're not getting shit done. Well, like we talked about in the, or I mentioned in that first round, he, uh, Jake Paul attempts 45 shots and lands seven of them. Uh, Anderson Silva lands five of seven. What's more important to you? Yeah. I, I don't know in boxing. I honestly don't. Jake Paul was clearly busy or trying to do more, but was far less successful doing it. Anderson well, Silva attempted less, but was more successful doing it. Yeah. And, and, and so to me, it's, it's, they do look at, um, at, at number of, number of, of shots landed is a, is a key, right? But yeah. there is activity, yeah. right? There is that whole thing. And yeah. And I don't profess also to be a, to be a, a, a super knowledgeable boxing fan either. Right. It's been, I haven't seen a boxing match. I bet you since, I don't know, a Tyson Holyfield too. Well, we watched, uh. McGregor Mayweather oh, okay. here. <laughs> so I haven't seen a real boxing match right. since Tyson Holyfield too. Well, and so this is one of the things I'm locking, like uh, I'm talking about. Moro Ronaldo's calling this thing. It's it's on Showtime. Like they're doing Moro it up. Ronaldo, love that guy, man. He's a great play by play guy. But I'm watching this and I'm. I'm trying to think of what the name of his that documentary. Oh man, that was the doc they did on him yeah. and and his mental health the issues. Bipolar and rock and roller. It was something like that. Yeah. You, if, if you haven't seen it, it's worth a look. It is. Um, but boxing, for the longest time, probably more than anything else, was the biggest sport worldwide. Oh, without question. And now I'm watching these guys. I'm watching Moro Ronaldo. I'm watching the entire Showtime establishment get behind Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. And it's a bummer to think that that's what – this sport is now, right? A YouTube social media sensation versus a washed up former mixed martial artist. And that's all boxing has left to offer. Now, look, we talked Canelo is fantastic. Triple G is fantastic, right? Those guys are still out there. But in terms of making money, this is what boxing has had to resort. And they used to shit all over MMA, right? That it was savage. It wasn't legit. It, it was... And now... All you have left to sell a boxing fight is a washed up mixed martial. And I, I'm not trying to denigrate Anderson Silva at 47 years old. In my mind, he's he got won paid. Yes. And in my mind, he won that fight, but you can't say our sport is so much bigger than MMA, which it was at one point, and then bring in a washed up MMA guy to fight a YouTube star and go, we're doing fine over here. Like our sport's great. No, it's not. Yeah. You are, uh, you are, it's the idea back in the day when you had the heavyweight champion and the hundred meter champion. Those are the two greatest athletes in the world. Yeah. That is so long ago that. And like even beyond Tyson, who was like a whole thing unto himself, right? Like Lennox Lewis, when he would fight, right? Like Roy Jones Jr. Like there were these big names that you didn't miss those. I can remember. Like my, my dad and my uncles or my grand, like you sat down and watched boxing, like, and no one in my family were huge boxing fans, but you didn't miss certain events, right? It was the go-to sporting yeah. event. There would be one every 18 months or two years that you just could not miss. Well, cause people were going to be talking about it. Yeah. Right. And so you wanted to be able to go, yeah, I saw it. It sucked. Or I saw sure. it and it was unbelievable. Right? Guy like, bit somebody's fucking ear off. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think about back in the day when you had the 
you know, we're talking even the mid '80s, Sugar Ray Leonard, yep. and um, you know, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Sure, I was a big Hagler Hearns. guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that whole sort of trifecta, and they were like. So to me, yeah, boxing and the cachet that came with it, not just Tyson, right? But just, as you suggest, through the Floyd Mayweather, right? The guys yeah. with the with the big names, the big personalities, and the guys who could back it up. But yeah, boxing has been on the steady, steady decline for for a long time. Yeah. And, and this will be the biggest, I guess, the biggest boxing event of the year. And like I said, it's, it's a YouTuber versus a former mixed martial artist. And, and there's something sad about that, right? Well, you know what there's not something sad about? Hmm. I want to know you were in the... Uh, I want to know. You were in the group chat. I want to know if we're, if we're any closer to uh, Creech fighting uh, the golden boy, <laughs> Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> I was calling out for it. It, it doesn't appear that that is on the, uh, <laughs> on the agenda. We'll circle back. We'll put it in the group chat again, see if Creech is down. Because uh, I threw it at him on, on Twitter a, a while ago. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, if you're so pissed off, I'd love to see you versus Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> so <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah. All right. It didn't come up. I got to be honest. It didn't come up. <laughs> so. All right. I'm paying for it if it comes up. Uh, we got a couple other things we should get into, but uh, before we do, got this... Uh, Something new to, well, you cracked something there a few minutes ago. Anything new? Same thing, man. Back to back of Ikes. Sprock V. Du Host. Yeah, Du Host. (laughs) Which, that's way too uh, Western sounding. Yeah. Um, Anybody who likes a a nice, smooth, sessionable beer coming in at, you know, over 5%, the Kvike is smooth, easy drinking, and you can find it now from a bunch of different breweries. So I'm I'm highly, highly endorsing the Kvike. Uh, this is uh, a beer that, that truly speaks to Matt. This is all, this is what Matt's all about. Okay. Hustle over hype, man. This is uh, <laughs> from the All or Nothing Brew Company out of Oshawa, Ontario. Uh, they say it's a, a combination of like a West Coast pale ale and a German Weiss, Weiss. Weiss! Yeah. Sprachweg! <laughs> I don't, this is fun, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh, so that's what we got here. Hustle over hype. All or nothing, much like Oshawa and Matt in general. He, uh, he's, well, all, he's all hustle. And, and we've talked about it through the years of this podcast and and the many strides that Matt has made. I, I'm Ooh. sure I'm sure there's not a bigger one than Matt said right now. This is all a, this is what Matt's all about, and then did not give Rob one second no. to fill. No, <laughs> keep talking. Don't allow him to step in. Don't. Because it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Um, so good for you, Matt. That's good for Matt. Yeah. Good growth there. Yeah. We love that about you. Good growth there. Good growth. <laughs> hustle over hype. Folks. Hustle, baby. <laughs> don't believe the hype. Yeah. Don't believe the hustle. So Don't believe, don't believe, don't believe the hype. Uh, over the last week or so, look, we got a couple sports things we'll circle back around to, but we've seen the, uh, the review that was always coming, and it's part of any time the government invokes the uh, the emergency act which happened here after the uh, the freedom convoy as they called it uh, set up camp in uh, Ottawa through January late January into early February I believe it was February 13th when they went in and broke it up just before Valentine's Day give everybody time to uh, yeah man there's great places downtown you want to get there exactly man so uh look 
we all knew once he invoked the thing, it came with a review and, and that was fair. And we're seeing that play out now and everyone is taking whatever side they were always going to take yep. on that review. Um, but what's been interesting is to see the, the members of the OPP, members of the Ottawa police service having to testify and go, we don't really think the EA was necessary. We could have handled it. And of course the follow-up question becomes, well, why didn't you? Uh, yep. No answer. Right. Two hands and I can't find my own ass. <laughs> it's concerning. It's a rough moment for anybody. Look, I have, I, I, I honestly believe, and I've talked to, as, as you know, man, and, and you've met a bunch of members of my reasonably conservative family. Yep. All of them went one of Justin's finer moments. And we're, they're not, we're not a particularly pro Justin family. There was just, all right, enough of this shit. We're clearing this out. And everybody knew it would come with a review and it yep. should. It should. It should. But nobody has been able to come out and say yet, uh, lots of people have come out and said, yeah, you shouldn't have done it, didn't need it. But no one's been able to back that up with any kind of, well, what were you going to do? Or what was the alternative? And I, I, it feels an awful lot like the way this is being covered right now by a lot of the, and it, it feels like such a cop out to say this. They're so cheesy or whatever. The mainstream media, man. Man. They've forgotten what it was like here at the end of yeah. January. It's easy to look back and go, well, you kind of blew it out of proportion. The city was fucked, right? It was closed. You could not get anywhere near downtown. People laying on horns. And the people that have been interviewed from the Ottawa Police Service, uh, slowly, slowly, whatever the fuck is yep. name, saying... A lot of the things that didn't get out were things that were happening after dark, things that didn't meet camera, like the way residents were being treated and intimidated. I There's nothing that I've seen so far, and maybe I'm biased, I, I would admit to that, but there's nothing I've seen so far that suggests he was wrong to come in and just go, I've given you guys three weeks to clean this up. You haven't done it. I'm doing it myself. Yeah. See, the yeah, and, and, and bias aside, yeah. for sure. They played a couple of clips of the horns just getting fucking hammered. Yeah. For and, weeks at a time. It's hard to go back there. It's hard to remember what that feels like. And and it's fine that you, you know, for people living in any place outside of downtown Ottawa. This has got a little banana to it. And and you <laughs> go, what the, what the OPS needed was a little hustle. Yeah. Behind the muscle, because otherwise there's nothing else happening here. Nope. And and what I've come across with is when you hear the statement, well, we thought it was going to be a day or two and then they were going to go away. And you're like, I can say that because I'm a dumb fuck that lives in the yep. West End. Because I thought that too. And you, my friend, however, are paid. You're following their internet sites, their chats. You're supposed to know better than me. God, I hope you know better than me. <laughs> Clearly not. No. Because when you when you find out how, because not only are the OPS and the OPP and the RCMP saying, yeah, we could have handled it. The OPP and the RCMP are also saying the OPS couldn't handle it. Yeah. 
And to me, this shows the OPS in a really, <sighs> really poor yeah, light. It's been a bad look for them. Right? From slowly on down, right? In terms of people who were giving out information, misinformation, just infighting, unbelievable, right? And so to me, this is, I, I 100%, when you invoke something like this, it, it's got to come with a review. It has to be reviewed. And it has to be legitimate and gone over and what could we do better? And and there needs, needs to be some future problem solving, some future planning that comes out of this. But to me, I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't know that I've ever, I think it was 2015 that Trudeau first yep. uh, came into power. I don't know that he's ever had a better 10 days than when he finally stepped it. Cause he didn't want to for a long time. Cause it was going to be politically awful, right? The conservatives would go, ah, you're shutting down protests. You're what he steps in, he Im- invokes the emergencies act clears all this out and then he gets on a plane and heads to Europe to meet with the world leaders because it's the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I don't know that he has ever had a 10-day span where he looked more, I have this under control, my shit together. I just cleaned up the biggest problem in my country. Now I'm off to help the rest of the world leaders clean up the biggest problem in Europe. Yeah, man. A little bit of that. A little bit of that. And and we forget what was happening at the Windsor border. We forget what was happening. I forget the, the name of it Manitoba. in Alberta. Yeah. Um, Coots. Coots, Alberta, right? Where they're finding weapons and it was getting out of control. And it's very difficult as we sit here now that the problem is cleaned up to drag everybody back and go, hey, you got to remember what it felt like in the moment to have people constantly laying on the whole, and you, you bring in the fucking hot tub and the bouncy castle for PR reasons to make it look like yep. you're this family friendly. And we're feeding people. Yeah, no, you're a joke. And you, I, I said it at the time, man. I, I think a lot of the people who don't live in Ottawa and you and I, as we've talked about, don't live downtown. We're away from it a little bit. Like the, you could not hear those horns from my balcony. But there is a bit of a separation that the rest of the country seems to have of like protesting at the Capitol, but not realizing that the Capitol is home to a million people, right? Like this is also a city. There are people who live here and you're like, yeah, you should be able to protest in front of, but they showed up on a Saturday. Center block is closed. The prime minister's office is closed. Like the, that's, uh, it's under construct. You're not bugging anybody, but the residents of the people. Yeah. What did they do? Why did they deserve to be treated like this and subjected to this when the people that you're actually pissed at are nowhere to be seen at this point? Um, they're all away for the weekend. And, and the other part of it is. Well, if you'd have just spoken to them, you forget the demands that they showed up with, right? We want the government to stand down. We want the leader of our protest to meet with the governor general and the members of the other parties and will take over us. You know, we just had an election like four months before that happened. That cost $600 million. And you're just like, no, we're not happy with that. We think we should probably take over. Well... Fuck off is sort of my, the review needed to happen. I'm glad it's happened, 
but I've heard nothing so far that leads me to believe that they had, despite the way that this has been covered in some ways, there's nothing that I've seen that suggests that it was an overreach or that it wasn't necessary. Yeah, and, and doubling back to it, I was happy it happened. Has to be looked at, has to be reviewed. Yeah, but I would, no, I'm, I'm talking about the way the streets mm. were cleaned. Yeah, push, to, to me, push, yeah, it push. was a... It Watched was, every minute of that, man. It was fascinating TV. It was TV. fascinating TV. I spent hours, yeah, so hours watching it. And so, um, but yeah, you know what? Maybe it's because I am a good homeowning, taxpaying. Yeah, get, get your shit together. Get clean the streets, get rid of that crap. And I don't care which party you align with. At the end of the day, yeah, you did your bit and more. And get the fuck out. It's been three weeks. Get out of here. Get out. Yeah. Uh, the other night I had a chance to check out, I, I'd seen a couple people talking about it online. The, uh, it's a Netflix documentary. I don't know how long it's been out. It looks like it's a couple months maybe, but I'm just getting to it now. As you know, man, I'm now well behind on uh, just about everything. Uh, the Redeem <laughs> team. And we've seen these kinds of things before in Canada, but they don't waste much time usually like after Canada wins an Olympic gold medal in hockey, there's always like a DVD that's like how the team was built and how the tournament went, whatever. This is about the 2008, uh, USA men's Olympic basketball team as in 04 in Athens, they had lost in the semifinals. Um, they decide to rebuild under, uh, coach Krzyzewski and LeBron is one of the guys that they're going to build around in 06 and they lose again at the world championships and have to come through and qualify in 07 and, and come back to win the 08 Beijing games. And it was honestly a pretty good doc. And they talk an awful lot in 07 about how Kobe shows up. He hadn't been a part of it earlier on. And at, this is the heart of, you know, his scandal in Colorado that he'd been through. And there's sort of some talk that he may be more of a distraction than a help at this point in terms of showing up. Uh, but you also have Carmelo Anthony at this Mello. point. Uh, Dwayne Wade is is becoming a superstar. It's also before um, Wade, Bosch, and uh, and LeBron moved to Miami Take together. Your to South Beach. Yeah, it's an interesting doc, and I did enjoy it. But the problem that I have with it is they spend a lot of time talking about the growth of world basketball, with the which they should right, and how. You know, in 04, when they lose and they're they're taking it all the way back to 76, I believe it was in Munich, when the U.S. lost to the Soviets. And they're talking about how the game is growing and changing and, and it's kind of taking it away from the Americans. And it's, uh, it, it tries to paint the underdog story of Brutal. the Americans coming back in 08, right? And, and, and re-winning this thing after the world has taken the game away from them. And it's a, it's the wrong narrative, right? Like you, the Americans are by far, far the deepest, best team, uh, nation in terms of the amount of talent that they have. And you can't spin a story on how these guys r- battled adversity and came back and, and t- they choked in 04, they didn't yeah. have the right mix. They hadn't quite rebuilt yet in 06. And when they won in 08, they should have won in 08. Like they should have won in 04. And I don't want to take away, like, it's a really interesting doc. There's a lot of really good stuff behind the scenes. 
There's a lot of stuff, more than I would have expected with Kobe, obviously, who's no longer around to be part of this, but it, it, it was almost going for that Disney, remember, Miracle, when yep. they put that movie out, and you're like, that was a miracle that those college kids beat yep. the Russians in hockey. The fact that LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade beat Greece at the Olympics or beat Spain at the Spain. It's not an Olymp- uh, It's not an underdog story, right? It's not an upset. You should have won in 04. You did win in 08. It was just a tougher story to spin, I felt like. Wow. And and the final score in that game was 118-107, I think. Like it was tight right down to like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The right. the, the whole story of that game was that Spain would not go away until they went away. And, and so to me, USA basketball is like hockey Canada, but on steroids. Yep. Like the other hockey countries, like Canada is the best. Yep. We are the best at hockey, but the, the margin over the next best is not that great. Yeah. We put all those resources into it. We are more passionate about it. We love it more, all these sorts of things, but we'll lose sometimes. Well, and there now are, are more you don't get registered to. minor hockey players in the States than there are in Canada. More, yeah, in Texas alone than in Alberta. Oof. So I, There's a population difference. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, but, but it's holy fuck, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's all I'm saying is, yeah. is USA basketball is beyond that. Yep. And with the resources and the structure of, of their minor basketball up through the college programs into the NBA, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And so I remember in 04, just reveling. Of course. In them not winning that Allen Iverson led team, yep. right? In in Greece. And you're sort of like, great venue they played in too. I was there. <laughs> um, but uh, unbelievable. And so to me, I, I'm interested in the doc, but yeah, if, if you want to sell it as this long shot underdog. Look at all the adversity we overcame. Like, no, you cleaned up your own mess is sort of what happened. Right. right. You actually lost through mismanagement. Yeah. And like, imagine trying to write any sort of hockey documentary where Canada was the underdog. Like you can talk about overcoming adversity. You can tell the story of your team, but you were never the underdog. Canada's never the underdog against anybody at this point. And that's what this kind of struck me as is, is this sort of, like I said, it was a good doc. They did address some of the issues that were going on within the program, but towards the end, yeah, to see them like, oh, Spain's, Greece is the team that got them last time and, oh, Spain's a tough, and they are, like Spain's a tough opponent. Of course, course. Argentina is very good. Like they're, they're talking about Manu Ginobili and how like you can't possibly let that guy light you up and you're like, yeah, but there's five of you, right? (laughs) Like you just put, and they did, they just put Chris Bosh on him and, and that was the end of that, right? And that's what you should have done in 04. And so it was an interesting documentary to watch. And I'm sure if you were an American and especially if you were an American basketball fan, you'd probably enjoy it a little bit more. I did enjoy it, but yeah, the, there's just no way of spinning this into the, the it, this miracle on ice thing, yeah, which yeah. is clearly the vibe they were going for, right? That 1980s bunch of college kids beat the the Soviet Union in hockey. You're like, yeah, you have Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, you're probably not the underdog here. In a sport where where one person can dominate yes. yeah. and you have the two best players in the world. Yeah. And maybe the third. It, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say, you know what, and you throw a young weight in there too. It's yeah. it's that's you're not but you know it's what? It's a good doc. The, nobody nobody loves a little chest pumping and 
than the Americans. So I'd have preferred to see that. Like, look, yeah, we fucked up in 04. Here we are crushing everyone along. Yeah. At least that'd be a little truer instead of being like, oh, we had so much to overcome. The redeem team. Yeah. Well, and one of the interesting stories of it was, uh, was the coach, uh, the story of coach K, right? Mike Krzyzewski. Um, they, they're looking around the NBA, Larry Brown had coached the 04 team. Like who's going to be a universally respected coach. And they go get the, the guy from Duke, a university coach. And there was some talk that, you know, all these guys had played for different universities. Would they, now they're big stars in the NBA. Would they, you know, respect a university coach? And it turned out to be almost the only thing you could do, right? In the NBA, yeah, all these guys are bigger, more important than their coaches. Here's a guy from one of our most respected institutions, uh, one of the country's best university programs. Here's the coach from there. And it seems like everybody sort of fell in line that way, almost better than anyone else they could have put in there from the NBA. Well, cause you bring all those, all those fractured allegiances right, right. as pros, right? Yeah. You couldn't have Pat Riley. You couldn't have, uh, Jackson, right. It, it, it wasn't going to work. But if you asked all these NBA guys to look at one guy who's been maybe the best university coach of all time, maybe you can get them all to go, yeah, okay, I get it. And, and it turned out to work. So it's a good doc. Honestly, it is. It's just, I felt like at the end, the way you tried to paint this overcoming picture was a little, a little unrealistic, right? Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what to tell you beyond that. Cause to me, I know you're not a, well, neither of us are big basketball guys, but it's worth a look. It is worth a look, and and I think I still may do it. Yeah. Uh, we sit here another week into the NHL season, and uh, the Leafs remain an interesting topic of discussion, I guess. I was going to say, as they always are, they're not always an interesting topic, but they are always a topic. Right now, they're an interesting topic. They sit here at 4-4-1. Four, four uh, it is Sunday afternoon, so they'll have played the Ducks by the time you guys hear this. Um, it's not good. Well, yeah, I, so all I want to say, they started this road trip in Vegas. Am I right with that? Uh, Winnipeg last Saturday. So they won in Winnipeg, yep. lost in Vegas yep. in regulation, yep. lost in San Jose in overtime, yep. lost in regulation in LA. So as we sit here now, they are one, two, and one on this road trip. Okay. So with a win tonight in regulation against a pretty shitty Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Anaheim team, you could come home from this 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Yep. Not nearly as bad in, in perspective. I, I'm with you there. The wheels still haven't come. Now, this the, the California trip isn't what it once was, right, in terms of there was a time when going through L.A., San Jose, Anaheim was fucking running the gauntlet. If you came out yeah. of there with a point or two, you were pretty happy. That's not what's happened anymore. Um, they haven't looked good. They, I still, Matthews is going to, of course, find his thing. The, the, the defense looks rickety. Um, I think if you get Muzzin back at all this year, maybe Mitch Marner's dire yeah, predictions. I was just going to say, have you ago. spoke to Mitch recently? Right. He seems to suggest that, and they're close, um, Marner and, and Muzzin. That maybe, you know, his career might be winding down. I don't, if you get Muzzin back, I think A, you have to assume he's not going to be what he once was. And B, 
it might not be for long. Like you have to move forward assuming. It might not also be the worst thing if he didn't come back and you could use that cap money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Sandine and Hall, like, don't, like Justin Hall's the guy who's taking all the abuse and he hasn't been any good. He looks terrible. Scored that OT winner or that, not OT, Set, that yeah. late, that yeah. late, yeah, against the Sands. He, um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Like we're a week further into this and I'm, I'm still like, it's early, but like he looks awful and he looked awful at the start of last year. And then he and Muzzin later in the season found it again together. Unless you believe, and I don't know, unless you believe Muzzin found it and started sheltering him again. And maybe he did. Um, but that time is coming where you're going to have to make an evaluation on this guy pretty soon, right? Once Liljegren gets back, is he joining Hall or is he the one pushing Hall out and Victor Mete is now your number six? And that's... That's where... It's, that's at minimum, at best, that's where it should be. Yes. Yeah. No, he's not any good. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's... it. They're not looking good at all. And part of it is that defense has to get that those forwards the puck at speed right yep. and 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 this group right now isn't doing that and and Riley doesn't look very good uh Gio's about the only guy who looks like he's worth what he's making and he's making like 800 yeah. yeah so so what do you think about the Barry Trotz comments so this is interesting i did have this in my notes and i you know he was interviewed last week they said to him, like, what's your interest in coming back? And he's like, well, Canadian markets have a lot of extra stress, right? Like it takes yeah. a certain type of player, a coach to want to do that. And he goes, but original six teams are interesting. I've never coached an original six team. And if you look around, you go, well, the Bruins, the Habs, the Blackhawks, and the Red Wings have all just replaced their coach. New coaches right there. The Rangers are a year and a bit into their coach, but they went to the conference final. You can't assume they're looking to. Although Jerry Gallant may be asked to look for his own cab away from the (laughs) arena in the next two weeks if they go on a little bit of a slide. I have no idea. But you do look at at what he said and you go, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But he also was like, I don't know, I'd like to take a bit of a vacation. You know, we'll see in... In two or three weeks, or maybe after American Thanksgiving, which yeah. would also be just long enough for Keith to to hang himself. And Keith has done that. Like he's Keith's been weird, right? The way he's addressed the media. What and, are you doing? Yes. The here's what, and I'd be curious to get your take on this. I don't think they're on the verge because I, I think Dubas will go down with Keith. I, that's just what I think. You know, he Sheldon Keith has like a top three record in the league since he came in. Now, part of that is the team that he was given, but it would be difficult. It would be ballsy to fire him. But what I do wonder about Barry Trotz specifically is if this is the right type of team for him. Like we've all, or I have been horribly unfair to Matt Barzell about his numbers based on playing in a Barry Trotz system. Can Barry Trotz come in? with a team that is supposed to rely on this big four and suddenly turn it into, especially without a training camp, turn it into, and they're better defensively than people think. Well, yep. last year they were better defensively yep. than people think. I wonder if he's the right 
fit to try and do you really want to the way this seems built do you want to try and ratchet them down see the the question i i i wonder is you you got dubis you have this complicated chain between keith dubis and up to shanahan and you and and everybody has to feel like my job is on the line right now yep and so whether it's dubis and, and his love of keith yep you don't know, you think they'll all the, go down together? Well, I don't. No? I don't. I think that there is this possibility that Shanahan says, yeah, I'm also tied to this. <laughs> I don't have any Sue Greyhound connection. Right. See ya. Yeah. And if you have the best coach, uh, one of the acknowledged best coaches in the NHL, available and saying, hey, I wouldn't mind coaching the original six. <laughs> he could not have been more without coming out, without yes. having said, I would like to coach the Toronto Maple Leafs. He couldn't have been anymore. And you have Keith talk, you know. <laughs> Digging his own you know, grave. Taking runs at players yes. in games one and four. And, yep. and you just sort yep. of go, uh, would you not make that movie for Shannon going, I have a chance to hit the eject button on those two guys and save my job and bring in trots. I think Duba survives the year. <sighs> it's okay. You can't, right, you can't. Hey, it's okay. hard to replace a GM midseason. Well, as long as you got Prudhomme or whoever guys running the cap. Prudhomme, right? yeah. Yeah, as long as you got that, uh, you could probably. I guess, yeah. But all I'm saying is, is yeah, all right, Dubas could, could, so could, Dubas could make the season. every gets coach gets a bullet, right? Oh, but Dubas is done. That's what I was going to ask you. He's not the one who hired Babcock. Is right. that his bullet? If he fired Babcock, is the, does that count as his? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't. In a normal situation, I'd say no. But he's had a couple of situations we might still of, be paying of him. well, <laughs> and he's had a couple of situations of of first round flameouts. Yep, yep. Where you didn't shoot, where you didn't pull the trigger, that is your bullet that you haven't used. So if he fires Keith now, in your opinion, that's just using up what you should have done a year or two ago. Yep. I, well, I'm saying that to me is an unused bullet and an unused bullet is the same as... I have a feeling, it's just my opinion, I have a feeling that even if they were to flame out in the first round again, or just, let's worry about getting in yeah, 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 right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 they will. They will. I think they will too. Um, I think he still gets to fire a coach. Especially if it's mid-season. If they flame out in the first round again, management, the board at MLSE may just wipe the whole... Shanny may survive. I'm not sure on that. Because he's probably the guy who has forced the board to hold on to Dubas. Oh, for sure. For sure. So he may get wiped away too. But if anything's going to happen mid-season, I do think they would let Dubas fire a coach. I'm just not sure he will fire this guy. I think he... But he fired Babcock. He fired Babcock. Yeah, so but to Babcock's me, not his hire. That's the difference. No, no, I, I get it, and and but to me, I think it was you, an expensive fire. I, yeah, <laughs> but I think you have you have essentially air quotes used the bullet by not using the bullet. Right, we gave you the chance to fire the guy, but you didn't. Two seasons that was ago, up to you. That Montreal loss fired. But he was only one. That I, was his first camp, and it was the pandemic season. You didn't even get a full camp. Okay. It's tough to fire yep. somebody there. Yep, and you didn't, and then you... and at that point he's still the winningest coach in the time frame of his career. And but this is an organization now in a market that says, "Yeah, regular season not good enough. You will be That's judged. You will be judged." We on... don't care about the season, but we will melt down after every loss. <laughs> I know, but no, I'm saying you will be judged 
Yeah. As you are now, right? Yeah, You're, yeah. Everyone's looking at going, who fucking cares? Yeah, okay, yeah, we're 4 from 1. We I care. Yeah, they care. For but, sure they do. But you're saying, yeah, it, I, need, I need playoff success. I try pretty often to be, you know, the voice of reason, right? Try and be, you know, calm or, or whatever. And I find myself, like, even just one week later, because last week we sat here, we had this conversation, and went, yeah, they'll find it. Matthews will get his shit going, which he will, and it'll make a difference. And all that stuff is still true. But, man, they, they just don't look right. And yeah. it almost looks like, it does almost look like playing for somebody to get fired. Waiting for the coach to get fired. Yeah. 100%, man. It and looks that's what- that way. They, they, they just don't look right. It has that look from the outside. It's funny because we spent all summer talking about how bad their goaltending is going to be. It's been about the only thing that's looked Some fair enough. Yeah, has, has, He's been fine. Thank you, Matt Murray. Yeah, peace out, bud. <laughs> the D's looked bad. The forward combination. And they, they don't have a lot of depth in terms of who to call up at, up front or on D. You're going to have to find it in this group. Um, Tavares has looked, he might have been their best forward so far, which is yeah. a relief. Um, but I, I... You don't want to count on that. Well, I would be, like, I'd be pretty pumped about it if Matthews also looked like Matthews is supposed to look like. Now you'd have two lines going, and yeah. but you don't, and they, they just don't look right. And I I don't know if they want this guy fired. He's supposed to be their buddy. Like, the, he's the guy that they apparently all like, and I yeah, don't... Yeah. I don't know if Barry Trotz, does Barry Trotz work without a training camp? Well, and the thing is, with with, with the talent Toronto has, yes, I believe so. They're, they're now experienced enough. They are not a young group anymore. Yeah. Um, you're talking about Trotz as a guy who, yeah, he came in and he, and he reduced their goals against by 100 goals. For the Islanders. For the Islanders. And took them to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. But that was done over the offseason. Yeah, yeah. I know. Out of camp. And all, camp. all I'm saying is you are talking about bringing in an experienced coach. I love Barry Trotz. Yeah. I think I'd be excited if they did it. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder how effective it would be at this point. Uh, well, I think, I think there is a point where you're trying to turn a cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, right? Because you do have Keefe, despite the, the much improved, undersold defensive numbers in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a guy who leans on his on his on his better players, yep. right? And and wants that go for it kind of. Trotz I, is a guy who is gonna who is gonna ask you to coach. to sacrifice. Yep. Offensive numbers for wins. Yep. And and I think if you were the Leafs, if you were a Leaf fan base and you went to the Eastern Conference final with Barry Trotz oh, and man. less goals, <laughs> the place is going to go bomb. Yeah. Like Barry Trotz and Doug Gilmore yes. will be. Yeah. We'd have statues in front of the ACC of Barry Trotz. Yes. So. <laughs> and to... Justin Hall. <laughs> yeah. No, look, I, I'm with you there. I, I would be excited, I think, if they made the move. I'm just not sure. I'm not as certain as you that it, it turns. I, you're going to have to, to me, you're going to have to find it on this roster. You're going to have to turn the ship. And I, even without Barry Trotz ratcheting things down, like in terms of playing a more defensive system, I, I have a feeling all those people that came on this podcast and I asked every one of them, Austin Matthews, 60.5 goals over or under, and every single one took the over. Yeah. Here we are, what, nine games in. 
He's got two goals. One of them he shot. The other was tipped in. I still think he's going to be fine, but that looks more like a 49 or 50 goal guy right now than a 60 goal. <laughs> well, we, 50 goal. Take no, that 50 no. goals out. You and I talked about this, right? That a 53 goal season was going to be read as a disappointment yeah, for yeah. Austin Matthews yeah, this yeah. year. Well, because it's a guy who everything, and it's, and it's, it's the two sides of the coin, right? Yeah. Which is everything's going to run through him to a fault. Yep. And they're going to force, force it, to, it him, to him. And he's going to score at an unbelievable rate. Yep. Or they're not going to force it to him, and they're not going to win. Right. And you're like, well, I don't know, man. He's, he looks a little off too, right? Like he's getting hard shots, but they're all just missing. Like, a, yep. You're seeing uh, Friedman uh, tweeted out, like, I wonder if he's not as healthy as we think. And like, maybe, but is that an excuse because he's not going well? Right. Like last year, you understood when he didn't score early, he just had wrist surgery, yep. right? And he came this year. Supposedly, he was coming in healthy. Um, I don't know. They they don't look right though. They they there's something about them. And every week that goes by, I'm a little less. Ah, just be patient, right? They'll be fine. Well, maybe they won't, right? Like maybe something's up, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, and and it's it's yeah, it's it is interesting, especially when you go. You lost to San Jose. You yeah. lost to Arizona. You lost to Montreal. Montreal yeah. You're like, oh shit. The shitbirds. Yeah. Like you'll kind of take out West. Yeah. You know, oh, we lost to L.A. On the you, know, you fine, lost to Vegas. The fine. Vegas is a good team, man. I'm you can't surprised lose by that. To Arizona at all? No, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. So you're uh, you're on the road next week out to Nova Scotia. Maybe a drop in on the way back at Liquid Assets. Liquid Assets. I'm going to bring you something, Matt. I appreciate that. We'll uh, have something on the show the following week. Yeah. And uh, courtesy of Nova Scotia's finest. We like that, man. Yep. Anything else for this one? Nope, that's it, man. All right, let's get out of here because I got another uh, Leafs Ducks barn burner to barn burner. <laughs> get this, uh, get this done for. We're out of here. For Rob, my name's Matt. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, Twitter at Talk and Audio. We'll catch y'all next time. See ya. How was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?